Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to his word proclaimed. God, you are our God, and we come to you open, open to what you have for us open to new relationships, open to new possibilities, open to change our lives so that we can be reflections of you. So, Lord, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. We're going to start out this morning just uh, going right to our text from Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start at verse 38 and 39. You can find the words printed up on the screen. This is one of the, for me, one of the most powerful texts in the Bible that I take with me as, as I go through life. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, discouragement is something that we all have to deal with, isn't it? No matter what stage of life you're in, even with with little kids, you can see Sometimes discouragement just just come over their faces because they don't know what is going on. You know, when we're planning for the future, when we know it's time to move forward. Or maybe when there's times where we don't have the answers that we want. Discouragement can easily set in. There are about four or five main causes for discouragement. The first one is is fatigue. When you're physically or emotionally tired, you're, you're a prime candidate for this infection of discouragement to come into your life. When when there's frustration. When things aren't going as you would like them to go particularly right now thinking about the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Exactly. You know, frustration is something that that, that makes us off kilter. We know how things should be, but we just can't quite get it. Then there's failure. 
You know, it doesn't matter how well we do something. Something just doesn't go right. And we're standing there going, well, we did everything we were supposed to do. I have no idea why it failed. So we're just going to give up. And that I think the most common reason why we face discouragement is because of fear. Fear of what others may think about us. Fear of whether or not we can handle the responsibilities that we have. And fear of just blowing it. Now those things can, can grab a hold of us. And in a way, it, it, it can paralyze us. It can make us to where we don't want to move at all. But there is good news. The good news is that because of the God who loves us and the God whom we serve gives us ways that we can battle discouragement. First, let's talk about the discouragement of fatigue. The best way to, comment, to, to, to combat fatigue is Sabbath. What's Sabbath? What is Sabbath? Sabbath is making sure that you take time to rest. You know, it's one of the Ten Commandments. And unfortunately, it's probably the, the, one of the, the commandment that people ignore the most. Now, we definitely don't want to murder anyone. We definitely don't want to steal anything. We definitely don't want to commit adultery. We definitely don't want to covet. But you know that Sabbath thing? Eh, I don't have time to take a Sabbath. There was a recent study, even among pastors, they don't want to take a Sabbath. There was a a study done in North Carolina that 90% of pastors fail to take Sabbath seriously. So if you have 90% of pastors who fail to take Sabbath seriously, and I, I bet you that's true all over the United States, if they fail to take Sabbath seriously, what do you think the congregation's doing? When the pastor is always going and, and refuse to take time to, to rest and stop, Well, the congregation is just going to be going along and chugging along too, thinking that this is how it's supposed to be. You know, you could say that machines are the only thing that aren't supposed to rest, but even machines break down, don't they? You know, machines and cars, those things that we think that are going to keep going and going and going, well, there'll be a time where they have to rest. So if we think about our bodies, we need to rest ourselves. John Ortberg is a pastor who wrote uh, several books. And and as he was researching one of his books, he was worried about something called hurried sickness. Hurried sickness. And it's something that we are all infected with. So he called up his spiritual mentor. And he said, I want to know how it is that I cannot be hurried. 
And he sat there with his pencil on hand, and he was ready to write down the words that his mentor was going to tell him. And the mentor slowly said, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. John Orper quickly wrote that down on a piece of paper. Okay, what next? (laughs) See, he missed it. And we missed it too. In order for us to eliminate this hurried sickness from our life, we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry and all that we do. Even Jesus took time to rest. I believe I shared this passage a couple of weeks ago from, from, from Luke 15, verse 6. Jesus, in all of his ministry settings, Luke made sure to write down this one phrase, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Now, we know that he, he withdrew to those places so that he can communicate with his father, but he also withdrew because we all need to unplug from anything and everything we do. We have to take time just to stop, to allow this haunting of fatigue to, to move away from our lives. I, I try to do this every week. You know, Friday is, is typically my day off. You know, my two days in a row, Friday and Saturday. But Friday, I don't really take that as a day off. I'm, I'm, I'm doing stuff around the house. I, I, I'm making final touches on sermons. I'm reaching out to people that I need to talk to. But I do that mainly so that at 6 o'clock, when Tracy is home, until 6 o'clock on Saturday, we unplug that way we can be together. So we are not trying to be hurried in the things that we do. Now, there are always going to be exceptions that, that come along where we have to do something on a Saturday. and We joyfully do that. But when we try to eliminate, ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our lives, it brings us into a better rhythm so, that can, so we can be effective in the ministry that God has called us to be. And once we eliminate this hurry, we can then start tackling frustration and failures in our lives. And the best way to do that is just to be honest. I had a pastor friend of mine several years ago remind me, you know, Chris, there, there is a God, but you're not him. And I say that to you all, too. There is a God, but you're not him. You don't have to have the weight of the whole world on your shoulders. And please do not take your accomplishments as the greatest things of the earth. These are things that we are able to be a part of. But sometimes we take a lot more credit for our victories and our failures than we should. When we realize and we, when we are honest that we are just human with our own frailties, with our own trials, with our own temptations, then we can honestly say to ourselves that we do need a God. We do need a God to guide us, to lead us, to shape in us 
to be who we are meant to be. I love this passage from 2 Timothy 2.15. It says that we need to present ourselves to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. One of the ways that I would reference this is calling it Popeye theology. Y'all remember Popeye? What, what, is the, what is the phrase that he would always say? I am what I am, and that's all that I am. You know, see, Popeye knew who he was, and that's all he was. Just this ordinary sailor that went along life. My friends, we are just ordinary followers of Christ, moving through life together. Sharing in each other's grief, sharing in each other's joys, sharing as a family what God has pulled together. So when we embrace the honest truth about who we are, when we understand that our, our failures don't necessarily identify who we are, and we, when we understand that our, our, our victories don't identify who we are, then we can press close to God. That's what our passage today reminds me of the most. Is that through all of everything that is happening in the world around us, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. When we may get frustrated with the political spectrum that is out there today. We were uh, in the Kansas City airport, and they had stuff on the news, and it was talking about the two major party candidates just attacking each other on the same charges. I started to get worried. I started to get frustrated. I go, you know, it should be better than this. It really should be better than this. When, when we hear about the floodings in Louisiana, we hear about shootings in Chicago, when we hear about all other types of disasters around us, we can start feeling that discouragement, that there is absolutely nothing that we can do that can make a difference. But then we hold on to those words in Romans 8. That neither life nor death, nor angels nor demons, nor, nor bad things or good things, that nothing can separate us from the love of our God. See, the best thing that we can do is just to hold close to God. You know that in the Bibles that we have in our, our pews, the NRSV Bible, about 78 times there are the words, do not be afraid, or, or some form of that phrase throughout all of Scripture. And in all of those Scriptures, every single time that, that we see, do not be afraid, most of the time it is followed by God saying, I am with you. We go all the way back to the story of Abram. 
In, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, Abram is, uh, God is establishing his covenant in Abram. And you can imagine this, this poor guy out in the middle of nowhere. And God is speaking to him how he's going to, to make a huge nation out of him. Just imagine how scary that could be. But God reinforces that I am with you. We fast forward to the New Testament, to John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is with his disciples shortly before he is going to the cross. And he shares this blessing with them. Jesus says, peace, I leave you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. And do not let them be afraid. As followers of the one who gives us life and life abundantly, we know where to lay our trust. We know where to lay our peace. We know that even though times are difficult around us and we face discouragement, we can move forward because we have God's peace. There are a couple of ways that I remind myself of this. Because sometimes receiving God's peace, it takes a while. From day after day after day, if the same thing is happening over and over again, you fail to see how God is moving in your life. That's why I journal. And I don't journal as well as I should, but I like to take a moment just to stop and just to write down some things that God is doing in my life. Or maybe the situation that's around, and then I go back after a while to look in the journal entry, and then you can see that even though things may have only gotten better this much, God is still moving in your life. God is still providing ways that you can receive God's comfort. Another way that I like to stay in God's presence and allow God to comfort me during moments of, of, of grief or moments of discouragement is that I like to say breath prayers. Believe me, with this campus, there are a lot of opportunities to say breath prayers. As I walk from the sanctuary over to the office or over to Wesley Hall or, or maybe even downtown, just saying prayers like Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me as I walk to remind or Jesus, Lamb of God, have mercy on me. Or even say prayers for our church, lifting us up so that we're not discouraged. Because my friends, over the next few months, we're going to be moving pretty fast. There's going to be a lot of stuff that is happening. Stuff with Wesley Hall, stuff with the Healthy Church Initiative, jam coming up, our youth ministry getting fired up and going, ways that we can stay connected with our community to share God's love with them. It, there's going to be times where it's going to be easy to be discouraged. But when we know that through all of our movement, through all of our 
organization to all of our fears and anxieties. God is with us. Let us pray. Oh God, I think discouragement is something that can easily tear us apart. It can move us to inaction. But God, my hope and my prayer is that as we lean on each other as a community, as we look for ways to be your hands and feet to each other and to the world around us, that you take this discouragement away from our lives so that we can see the life around us, see how you are moving to share your love and grace with all. God, give us the opportunity to take rest, to live in encouragement of your word, and to support one another in the love of the one who gives us life, and life abundantly, Jesus our Lord. Amen.